And I'm Scott. And we are Fired Up, Ready to Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7 of the podcast. We're sorry for the delay in between podcasts, but we were busy launching children to various colleges. But we're back, and I wanted to share something with you. Uh, The thought that profound things happen in Trump's America. Last week, we went to see the movie Black Klansman, directed by Spike Lee. It's a really important movie to see for several reasons. One of which is that one of the featured characters in the fact-based movie is David Duke. David Duke was a grand wizard or a grand poobah or whatever the hell he was in the KKK. The movie takes place in the 70s, but at the end, Spike Lee includes footage of David Duke in Charlottesville last August, where neo-Nazis and white supremacists gathered and screamed, blood and soil and Jews will not replace us. And then we saw our questionable president saying that there were bad people on both sides. And then Spike Lee shows the car that ended up killing Heather Heyer, barreling down the street, hitting pedestrians, and reversing, backing up the street, running people over. It was very emotional and very disturbing to see the connections between the movie where members of the KKK are shouting, America first, and the footage of current day affairs. I couldn't help but cry. Um, I felt so sad for the state our country is in. As I was crying, the African-American woman who was sitting next to me stood up and looked at me and asked if I was all right. And I said yes, and I asked her, as she was also crying, if she was all right. We then hugged and held each other, and she said, bless you. This is so messed up. And I said, yes. And then we held each other's hand and said, take care. It was beautiful and profoundly moving. There was such a feeling of shared pain and sadness and solidarity. Trump's America is a place where we are pushed out of our comfort zones. We are confronted with the worst, most brazen examples of ignorance and racism but it also also shines a light on our commonality, the sense of not being alone, but feeling the support of other like-minded people. It's a real comfort and a source of renewal. I walked out of that theater reinvigorated by the compassion and humanity of that woman who reached out to me. I felt more committed than ever to protect and fight for this America, this America I know that is diverse and tolerant and compassionate. The America that is full of people who want us to be the best versions of ourselves we can be. To encourage our better angels as we struggle for a more inclusive America where all are truly equal. I wish this woman could know how she helped me this week, but I will remember her and her kindness and honor it as I work to turn our government around from the petty, hateful, fearful path of division we are currently on. And now... On with the podcast. And now, domestic Trump troubles. People within the White House are saying, winter is coming, and they don't think Trump is the least bit ready for it. 
It is closing in on Trump from many, many sides in recent weeks. We shall now have a brief review of what is coming at Trump. First, his former aide, Omarosa, has released a book called Unhinged and claims to have many secret recordings, one of which was Trump's daughter-in-law offering Omarosa 15000 a month contract to keep quiet. Second, the Trump Foundation is subject of a lawsuit. And Thursday, the New York Attorney General's office said it won't back down from, quote, holding Trump and his associates accountable for their flagrant violations of New York law. As our lawsuit detailed, the Trump Foundation functioned as a personal piggy bank to serve Trump's business and political interests, unquote. Third, Trump's personal lawyer for years, Michael Cohen, admitted in court that Trump had directed him to arrange payments to women he had had affairs with to keep them quiet. Cohen also pleaded guilty to breaking campaign finance laws and other charges. Fourth, Mueller's investigation continues with another indictment this week that we'll learn more about. Fifth, the emoluments case against Trump is proceeding. Sixth, the Stormy Daniels case with Michael Avenatti saying he will depose Trump. Seventh, David Pecker, that's right, Pecker, CEO of American Media, publisher of the National Enquirer, was granted immunity in the Cohen case, so is free to talk about his being paid to kill negative stories about Trump and his paying off of women and who knows what else. Eighth, longtime Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg was granted immunity as part of the investigation into Michael Cohen. Lots and lots coming at you, Trump. Lots of bells. And let it all bring you down. Ding, ding, ding. NBC News reports Puerto Rico updates official death toll, saying that Hurricane Maria killed 2,975 people. This is a far higher number than the government's previous official death toll count of 64. Representative Velasquez of New York said the findings are evidence of, quote, the enormity of the tragedy that befell Puerto Rico. These numbers are only the latest to underscore that the federal response to the hurricane was disastrously inadequate, and as a result, thousands of our fellow American citizens lost their lives, unquote. Trump's response? The Washington Post reports that when asked by a reporter about the death toll, Mr. Trump replied, quote, I think we did a fantastic job. It's hard to get things on the island, unquote. He went on to blame Puerto Rico, citing their debt and infrastructure problems. CNN reports that the mayor of San Juan, Carmen Yulin Cruz, disagreed, saying, quote, the administration killed the Puerto Ricans with neglect. The Trump administration led us to believe they were helping when they weren't up to par and they didn't allow other countries to help us. 
Shame on President Trump. Shame on President Trump for not even once, not even yesterday, just saying, look, I grieve with the people of Puerto Rico, unquote. At the time, you may remember, when told in October of 17 there were 16 deaths in Puerto Rico, Trump said, quote, If you look at a real catastrophe like Katrina, 16 people versus in the thousands, unquote. Well, now Maria is in the thousands, Trump. And are you still pleased with yourself now that it's a, I guess, real catastrophe? This is a disgrace. Janine, remember a few weeks ago when I talked about the FBI deciding not to relocate to the suburbs? Yes. I mentioned that as a sidebar to the story of the D.C. and Maryland attorneys general taking aim at Trump for violating the emoluments clause of the Constitution for reaping profit from foreign sources at his hotel across the street from the FBI. Well, now the FBI relocation is itself a higher profile story because, as the Washington Post reports, Trump was present at meetings of the FBI and GSA to decide the fate of the organization's headquarters. Now, the GSA, or the General Services Agency, is the landlord of federal properties like the old post office building where the President's Hotel is located. So that means the GSA is both the President's landlord and its employee. Hmm. you smell that? That seems questionable. You know, it was, uh, Trump was very interested in being the developer to redevelop the FBI site when they were talking about relocating. He found that very attractive as a Hmm. a businessman. Hmm. Now that he's President, and his economic interest, his personal economic interest, is limited to the hotel that he owns right. uh, or runs. Um, he is uh, barred from being the developer, and he doesn't want anybody else to develop that site because then, you know, lo and behold, he will have some competition oh, for yeah, his hotel. Yeah, yeah. So he was present at at least two meetings of the GSA and FBI. Now, one of them was back in January. It happened after the FBI stated they were scrapping their plans for relocating, but before they said they were going to redevelop that site. But it is ludicrous to believe that the FBI wants to temporarily move out of their current location so it's redeveloped so that they can just move them back into it. And the GSA report that was the source of this uh, news story said that the FBI or the GSA was not factoring in the revenue that would have been derived from leasing that site as part of their equation as to whether it would be in the country's financial interest uh, for the FBI to relocate or not. So Mm -hmm. it would have been cheaper for them to pick a site in the burbs, build a new headquarters, move into it, redevelop that site and earn lease money. But they're not factoring in the money earned from leasing the site. They're just talking about the uh, cost to rebuild or, or, or build. And it's a sham. It's just a friggin' sham. And it's because the president doesn't want competition uh, that will hurt his pocket. Wow. And it's a disgrace. Yet another disgrace. Indeed. CBS News reports... Late Monday afternoon, the flag flying at the White House was lowered to half-staff to honor the late Senator John McCain. It had been lowered Sunday, but then raised again on Monday morning. Trump did not issue a formal proclamation on McCain's death until Monday afternoon. ABC News says he ignored repeated questions all Monday about John McCain. 
instead sitting with his arms crossed, saying nothing like a petulant toddler. He initially requested his aides, oh, I'm sorry, he rejected his aides' recommendation to issue a statement praising the late senator. He instead tweeted his condolences. According to Newsweek, the parade of classlessness and lack of honor continued into the week. As Trump reportedly complained that the coverage of Senator John McCain's death was, quote, over the top, unquote, and that it distracted from his recent trade deal with Mexico. But John McCain has had the last and best word. No Trump or Sarah Palin at the funeral, having Obama speak, person after person, talking about the values of McCain, um, every sentence seeming to be a blast to the petty and smallness that is Trump. I believe the attention it has received has shown how hungry America is for civility, for what is best about this country. Past presidents sitting together, passing candy, people talking about values and virtues, and not having to listen to petty, vindictive, hateful rhetoric. In his death, we have been given the reminders of what is best about us, a rebuke and respite from the hatefulness of Trump. It has been a celebration of what truly is the greatness of America, and it really was a pleasure to watch the McCain funeral. Well, 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 CNN reports that Trump cancels pay raises for federal employees. Trump told lawmakers on Thursday he wants to scrap a pay raise for civilian federal workers, saying the nation's budget couldn't support it. He described the pay increase as, quote, inappropriate, unquote. He said, We must maintain efforts to put our nation on a fiscally sustainable course, and federal agency budgets cannot sustain such increases. This guy is a load of crap. Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland replied by saying, quote, It is outrageous and hypocritical that after spending billions of taxpayer dollars on unnecessary tax cuts for the wealthy and big corporations, unquote. Senator Mark Warner wrote, quote, Today's announcement has nothing to do with making government more cost efficient. It's just the latest attack in the Trump administration's war on federal employees, unquote. This is the height of hypocrisy. He's supposed to be helping the workers of uh, this country. Um, and, and yet, you know, it's, it's no problem to add a trillion dollars because of his tax cut mm-hmm. and needing to help farmers. But we're not going to help federal employees. No. There's no money for that. It would be inappropriate. I'll tell you what's inappropriate. Trump and all of his cronies. That's what's inappropriate, getting rich off of the backs of the working class of this country. And never mind the fact that the the House and the Senate voted pay increases for themselves practically every year. Yeah, how about that? The Washington Post reports on Saturday, September 1st, nearly 500 migrant children wait in custody. 
Lawyers are cold-calling phone numbers in far-flung Central American villages and enlisting church pastors and school teachers to help. They are spreading the word on radio stations, putting up posters, and setting up Spanish-language hotlines. They are trying to reach every parent separated from their children by the Trump administration. More than a month after the court deadline passed, For the government to reunite families divided by Trump's border crackdown, nearly 500 children remain in shelters without their parents. Disgusting. This story makes me sick to my stomach. We are now reduced to cold-calling phone numbers in, uh, in villages. That is the efficiency of this uh, and the well-thought-out planning that went into this policy. And we need to still keep up the volume and putting heat on this government because this is such a, 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 um, such a human rights yeah. disaster that has occurred because of the carelessness of this administration. And anybody who thinks that our economy is doing great, therefore Trump is great, I don't know how you live with yourselves when you think about these children who have been separated and God knows how they're, but the luck of school teachers and uh, pastors yeah, the, to reunite them. Right. The economy doing so well, launched by uh, the groundwork of Obama, by the way, is just a distraction from Trump's goal of you know, whitening up the nation. And it's appalling. Here's a question for you. How many times since January 20th, 2017, have you heard the phrase, just when you thought this administration couldn't possibly go any lower? <laughs> it's impossible to count, right? Oh, it is. In fact, we could probably name a segment of this podcast for it. So let's try that out. <clears throat> In this week's installment of what Just When You Thought This Administration Couldn't Possibly Go Any Lower, we learn, again from the Washington Post, that Hispanic Americans living along the southern border are having the legitimacy of their birth certificates questioned and are being denied passport renewals. Mm. And not just any Jose Schmoes either. We're talking about people who not only were born in this country, but who grew up to serve in our military. Uh, the Post quotes, In some cases, passport applicants with official U.S. birth certificates are being jailed in immigration, jailed. De- in immigration detention centers and entered into deportation proceedings. Can oh you believe this God. shit? Not making it up. Oh my God. I, I, I really didn't know it was jailed. Yeah, yeah. They're being detained and prepped for uh, deportation. Because they're saying that the, midwives uh-huh. have been falsifying birth certificates. So now they are try- they're telling people that they not only have to produce their birth certificate, but produce, I don't know, documentation on uh, the midwife who delivered them. Oh, to dear God. She was legitimate. I mean, it's craziness. Why are we concerning ourselves with people like this? Why are we worried about folks like this? Who defended our country and who oh. come back from defending our country and moved on to other um, uh, roles in, you know, protecting us. So my question is, why is this allowed? Do we need to do do um, number one? We need to get Democrats into Congress. Obviously, can Congress stop this? Can they say this is not happening? I mean, I don't understand why all of a sudden we've gone from this not happening to now this happening. 
Where does that come from? The Justice Department and and Sessions. Oh my God! You know, I, somebody said the other day that you know, for all of the Russia, for all the merits of the Russia investigation, mm-hmm. the biggest stain that we're living under right now is this Jeff Sessions. Well, that he needs to go, and that it'd be a blessing for Trump to to fire him. Um, in, regardless of the implications it might have for the Mueller investigation, because it is Sessions who is really overseeing all these despicable practices of separating mothers from babies, and it's not going to get any better. But Trump's not going to—he's not going to—he's not going to put somebody in there who's who's doing less than Jeff Sessions in these regards. Well, and there's no uh, promise that the Senate is going to uh, confirm whoever he would propose to put in there. So it might be the situation of better led with without anybody in that post than with this guy. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is just, I, 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 and I just feel powerless about this. And I, I, that is what is so disturbing to me. Well, we got to vote. We got to vote out the Republicans and vote in Democrats. We sure do. And now for your tweet of the week. There are a few tweets of the week. The first is from Edward Luce. Uh, who's a Financial Times U.S. columnist. And he wrote, Entire McCain memorial, from the words of Lieberman, Kissinger, Bush, Obama, and others, to the applause they receive, is a giant subtweet against Trump. There has never been quite such a spectacle against a sitting president. The second one is from Susan Glasser, staff writer at CNN. And she wrote, Make no mistake, the applause ringing out at the cathedral when Meghan McCain says, America has no need to be made great again because America was always great, is not standard. Never heard applause at a funeral here before. And the last one is from Representative Eric Swalwell. In response to a tweet from Trump uh, on 8.30 Saturday morning, the same time the coverage of the McCain funeral started, where he was complaining about FISA warrants. Representative Eric Swalwell said, We are remembering John McCain today. Go shout this into a pillow somewhere. Thank you, Representative Swalwell. And now, Trump troubles around the globe. People, if you haven't seen it yet, you must look up the video of Trump's phone call to the president of Mexico set to the closing credits and theme song of V. (laughs) It is the perfect example of life imitating art in a beautifully bungling and embarrassing fashion. Now, the reason for the footage, of course, is that the person who lost the popular vote but is somehow our commander-in-chief... Anyhow, thought it would be a great idea to ring up our neighbor's president to hammer out a new deal to replace NAFTA, at least partially, and why not invite the press corps in to witness the art of the deal in action? Now, getting NAFTA and anything with Obama's name on it um, repealed has been a primary mission of Trump. He thinks that tearing down a multilateral agreement and showing his prowess for negotiating a superior unilateral agreement or bilateral agreement, will trigger a domino effect of subsequent superior bilateral agreements. But let's not forget that it takes two to negotiate, and it was the other negotiator, President Peña Nieto, who mentioned about a dozen times on their call that Canada must be part of the equation. Now, as for the particulars, there are some differences with NAFTA, while other matters like recently imposed tariffs on metals remain unresolved. 
some of the differences were actually proposed by Obama years ago, but you won't hear that from Trump. And while I'm tempted to rattle off some of the particulars, it's practically pointless given the hurdles that must still be overcome in order for any new agreement to go into effect. Number one, Canada's participation. They've been kept at arm's length throughout the Mexico negotiations, and the talks that finally did begin with Canada are already off to a very rocky start. Now, Trump is not bothered by that. He thinks that he can forge a bilateral deal with Mexico and that'll be sufficient, but he's the only one who will be satisfied with such a deal. Number two, Mexico just uh, elected a new president. And if the just negotiated deal with um, Nieto is not signed off on very soon, the incoming president, Obrador, may well demand changes. Number three, Congress will need to sign off on any new trade deal, and divisions within both parties of both chambers of Congress make that a very uncertain outcome. Numbers four through six, Canada, oh Canada, wherefore art thou in this deal? The bottom line is, Trump sees replacing the world's biggest trade deal as his destiny, but he's more occupied with claiming credit for the accomplishment than actually doing the work to pull it off. And that's only if he actually possesses the skill and ability to do it to begin with. And now, what the hell is happening in the Russia investigation anyway? Another one bites the dust. The latest official to fall in the expanding wake of investigations surrounding 45 is W. Samuel Patton, who rather than going on trial has pled guilty to steering foreign funds to Trump's inauguration committee. Now, foreign from funds from where, do you think? France? Who? New Zealand? Hmm. No, silly. From Ukraine. Oh. The country who scored the only revision to the Republican platform right before their convention in 2016. <sighs> now, significant notes on this plea include Patton acknowledging that he misled the Senate Intelligence Committee when he testified before them in January. This is the first time that this offense has been included in charges, which should have others who've misled Congress shaking in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't be the last. Also, as part of the deal, Patton has agreed to assist prosecutors, including Mueller, whose investigation into whether Trump's campaign coordinated with Russia during the 2016, 2016 campaign may benefit from better understanding how foreigners sought access to the to the inauguration and thus the the campaign and, and Trump mechanism. But I thought this was all a witch hunt. I thought there were no Russian connections anywhere. I, yeah. I don't get it. I'm, I'm speechless. I, I, it's just such a coincidence. It's such a coincidence. And now for your action of the week. Okay, the action of the week this week is something fun. We're going to suggest that you watch a movie. Um, There's a new documentary on, I think you can find it on Hulu and iTunes, and it's called Active Measures. And it apparently is going to teach us all about the connections going way back between Trump and Russia. And uh, it has interviews from lots of really interesting people. The list is way too long to go into. 
So um, check it out. We're going to watch it tonight, and maybe we'll touch on it next week's podcast. Okay. And now for your inspirational quote of the week. The quotes this week are all from Senator John McCain. The first one is, If you want to preserve, I'm very serious now, if you want to preserve democracy as we know it, you have to have a free and many times adversarial press. And without it, I'm afraid that we would lose so much of our individual liberties over time. That's how dictators get started. And then this is from the letter he wrote to America. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down, when we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force for change they have always been. Do not despair of our present difficulties. We believe always in the promise and greatness of America because nothing is inevitable here. Americans never quit. We never surrender. We never hide from history. We make history. Farewell, fellow Americans. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you, John McCain. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week and tell all your left-leaning but not very active friends about us. This has been a Common Production.